Hey guys, welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessino. So let me just make sure this is all looking right because I don't have two screens to look and see what I'm trying to do. So just give me like one second. In the chat box, let me know how you guys are doing, how you guys are feeling. Yep, that looks right. All right. So today we're going to be doing the match preview for Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. Yes, we still have games going on. Yes, we're still in the Premier League. Um, there's still things to technically play for. So we have to do our previews, even though um, I think we're all just kind of waiting on the season to, to kind of end. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about team news, doing a press conference reaction um, and doing a predicted lineup. But before we do that, I want to let's let's talk about something that's like really, really important. The most important thing in the world. Right. We're Arsenal Fashion Club, aren't we? You know, we're not actually a football club anymore, are we? So I question our fashion, our, our, you know, are we really Arsenal Fashion Club? Is, th is this what we're doing? You guys, I can't stand this, this, this jersey. I want to know from you guys, how do you feel about this? This is our leaked 2021-22 home kit. Are you feeling it? Is it hot? Is it not? Let me know in the chat box what you guys are thinking about this because honestly, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I think what it is for me is I don't like how the blue is on here with the red. I think that's what I'm not feeling. And a lot of people have said that it looks just like an Ajax jersey <laughs> and there's like a, um, a GIF going around or, or whatever that was saying like, well, if you can't qualify for Champions League, then try to dress for like a team that does. <laughs> um, and so that was like the Ajax jersey. I know it's just, I'm not feeling it. I hope that this is like some sort of like weird joke or something like that because it just, I'm not feeling it. You guys let me know in the, in the chat box what you guys are thinking about this. If this is actually the home jersey, how are you guys feeling about it? And also, while we are talking about jerseys, is this not enough of a reason to hand in a transfer request? <laughs> Do you guys like this? I mean, it's, it's disgusting. What is this? I mean, let's just laugh at Spurs for a second. If this is what they're going to be wearing next season, shut up shop. Kill it. It's done. I think it's kind of like a like a riff on one of the jerseys. Uh, was it the Nigerian jersey? Yeah, it was the Nigerian concept. But no, this is a big fat no for me. <laughs> and really funny. <laughs> All right. So now that we've laughed at Spurs and just kind of, you know, you know, we're Arsenal Fashion Club. So we're here to judge other people's fashion. So this is a fail. Get out. <laughs> So yeah, let, let's talk about the football. Let's talk about the football. So um, Arteta did a press conference uh, to, ahead of our game against Crystal Palace. And I just pulled out just a, a couple of key, key bits of information here that really stood out to me. So in terms of team news, he said that everybody is fit except for David Luiz and possibly Xhaka. So we have to see. For me, I just, you know, it is what it is. You know, if they're not fit, they're not fit. 
we don't need to be like trying to rush him back to to do anything or anything like that. He talked about how it was still mathematically possible for for us to qualify for Europe. So for me in our in our Teta words, that means I'm going to continue to play strong lineups. So I think the expectation of us playing Balogun and Aziz, I think it's kind of like it's not going to happen. Um, they 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 kind of talked about fans in the stands as well, and at Selhurst Park when we play against Crystal Palace, there will be fans there cheering for Crystal Palace, and he kind of spoke about how that will change the atmosphere and make football more. Um, will we'll kind of give it that feeling that it deserves and, and kind of like get us back to normality. I'm personally really looking forward to having fans in the stands. I think we kind of saw that in the FA cup final, seeing the Leicester and the Chelsea fans there, even though the Wembley was not full to its full capacity. I mean, it made such a freaking difference. So I am definitely looking forward to that. Talked about David Louise, you know, um, Arteta talked about how he's a player that has won everything in football and has earned the right to do so because of who he is as a player and as a person. He talked about how it's been a privilege for him to work with him for 18 months, which he really enjoyed. He he said that they got on really well and they had some great moments together. He's been really helpful, someone that we really like and appreciate so much. And essentially, he just like heaped a lot of praise on him. I talked about his character. I think we all kind of know that, you know, from not from an Arsenal perspective, but from just like David Luiz and himself, like where he's come from and what he's been able to achieve um, is is really, really amazing. You know, and so I respect the guy for who he is, what he brings to the table and what he's accomplished over his his entire career. And I still think he has some good years in him at the top level. If he goes to MLS, that makes sense to me as well, but I think that he would probably be more like um like a Zlatan where he'd go over there, kind of live in America and end up back at like Benfica or somewhere like that to play in Europe again. Um, then they kind of talked about whose decision it was for David Luiz to leave. Um, he said that they had very clear talks in the last couple of months and they had already made the decision last year to extend his contract in a very difficult moment during COVID. Um, we managed to extend that for one season. He's given his best. He's tried to help him as much as he possibly could. And the club did as well. After some conversations, they decided it was the best way to do it now. And, um, so, uh, just to kind of touch on this for a second, um, I was having a conversation on Twitter just just a couple minutes before we kind of uh, uh, came before I came on here, and um, you know, there's kind of like different differing opinions or differing reports on how they actually came to the conclusion that David Louise would leave the club. Um, our Arsenal is taking the stance that it was like a decision that was made with the board, with Adu, with Arteta and David Luiz. And it was kind of like an amicable split. What David Luiz's kind of camp, I think, is kind of coming out to say that he was offered something and he chose to walk away. For me, I don't really care how we got to this decision. This is the right decision. And for me, you know, the idea that uh, David Luiz didn't want to sign another contract with us or didn't want to stay with us because he viewed that the club being in a bad position and we're not going in the right direction. So he chose to walk away. I think 
him being signed by Arsenal was a bad decision. So you can't, for me, no matter how we got to that decision, if, if he w- walked away or if we decided not to extend him, for me, this is the right direction for us to go in. So I think it's just interesting how there's competing res- uh, reports from both camps. And what I tend to believe is that he wasn't offered an extension and he doesn't want to be seen as the guy that wasn't extended. He wants to look like the person that chose to walk away because that puts him in a better position when he's kind of looking for a new club. But you guys can let me know in the chat box if it even matters to you. For me, it doesn't really matter. If this is Emil Smith Rowe and we offer him a new contract and he rejects it, then I'm going to start looking to see if um, looking more into the process and kind of kind of, you know, looking at Adu and Arteta in a certain way. I think for me, David Luiz leaving, no matter what the reasoning for it was, is course correction and is putting us in a position where we can now kind of move forward and stop using these crutches that inevitably end up being, you know, anvils around our necks as we plummet towards the bottom of the sea. (laughs) You know, this guy, I mean, he's helped us. He's been okay, but ultimately we have not moved forward with him. So you guys can let me know in the chat box what you guys thought about that. Um, let's see. They also talked about Willian. Uh, they brought him up because he's obviously being linked with moves away. Um, those those uh, reports have kind of cooled in the last couple of days. But um, Arteta spoke about Willian and said that he was a proven talent and the um, with a performance level in the league, Arteta takes responsibility for not getting that level out of him, and they will assess with the player and the board to make the right decision. So what that kind of leads me to believe is that it's not like you you have a contract and you stay. He did say every player with a contract is likely to be here next season, but we all know that that's not true. And I'd be shocked if they didn't sit around a board, like in the boardroom around a table and try to come to some decision to move him on because it just hasn't worked it just hasn't worked you know um I think we can call Williams transfer to Arsenal a categorical failure like there's no way to really uh disguise it or give it a different a different tag it's been a failure you know so if I think they should find a way to to move him on to be honest um then they kind of spoke about having a strong finish to to the season and whether that can be a beginning of a good season for, for next season, a, be, a, a new beginning, essentially. And Arteta kind of spoke about how, you know, starts ending a season strong doesn't necessarily translate to um, finishing a season strong doesn't necessarily trans translate into starting the next season strong. But what he wants to do is be able to use these next couple of games to, you know, um, kind of reflect and make clear decisions uh, and clear decisions on what needs to be fixed. You know, that's he wants to use this as more data points for next season versus like, okay, well, if we if we finish strong, then all of a sudden that means next season we'll start strong because we all know that that's not really how it works. Um he says he wants to reflect. Uh, he knows that he did things that are wrong. I think that's important for some people to to key in on is that as as much as I think Arteta has has left a lot to be desired, one one thing that I've wanted him to to admit is that he's made mistakes and he's not so hubris and 
ego driven that he can't admit that some of the things that have happened this season and our inability to move up the table and have a, a productive season have come down to some of the decisions that he's made throughout the season. And he did say that he's made a lot of, a lot of mistakes. He's done a lot of things wrong. And, um, he wants to kind of reflect on how to get the most out of these players, spend time building and evolving with the foundation that he's built. And he really wants a preseason for him having a preseason. I think being able to trans transmit his ideas onto the players is going to be really important for him because he really hasn't had that yet. And um, it'll, it'll make it, I think what's really important is for him to, to get that preseason and then kind of knock that off of the list of excuses so that when we get to November and December, we can make a, a good decision on whether we want to keep him or, or move on with a different coach. Um, then they kind of talked about William Saliba as well. You can see that here um, with David Louise leaving us at the end of the season. Could that open up a door for William Saliba? He said, um, we are as a coaching staff, obviously following his progression, watching his game and in contact with him, it's not ideal world to feel that you still belong here and you can have face-to-face -face relationship, but we do it the best possible way. When we finish the season, we'll sit down and discuss the roles of every member of the squad, how they can fulfill the role. And he's, he's our player and he'll be back for, for sure. After that, we'll make a decision based on an agreement of the role and each player is going to have in the squad. So I think essentially you know, he he left the door wide open for any number of scenarios to to come about. You know, he can come back, set the world on fire, maybe start, play a backup role, or maybe go back out on loan. Maybe he gets sold. You know, so that doesn't fill me with a lot of um, confidence. Um, for me, what I personally believe, in my opinion, this could be completely wrong, I don't think Arteta is fully sold on Saliba, not because he doesn't think he's a good player and he doesn't believe in his talent, but because maybe he's not the right profile that Arteta wants for somebody in that position. The fact that we are continuously linked with right-sided center backs leads me to believe that that's a position that he he's not feeling uh, comfortable with. So, But I'm hoping that at the very least, Saliba can come in and play a role. You know, I think I think it's either he stays at Arsenal or he goes for good. I can't see Saliba after being an Arsenal player for two years or two seasons being loaned out again because two years out is a long time for a young player who is very talented. So for me, I think it's kind of like a, a do-or-die situation for the club to make a decision on him. I cannot see him agreeing to another loan. You guys can let me know in the chat box if you think differently, but to loan him out again, I think would signal an exit for William Saliba in the summer. So you guys can let me know what you think about that. Yeah. And uh, he discussed the range of subjects. Yeah. Latest team news, no big changes. I said that already. David Louise is not fit. Um, they'll see what, how Granite Xhaka, um, is looking. They talked about Roy Hodgson. He's he's not going to stay at Crystal Palace, so that leaves that position open. Um, they're talking about Frank Lampard being considered for the job. Um, whatever. They talked about Harry Kane as well. Um, 
and where he could potentially end up. Would Arsenal be involved or, or want to bring him in? He didn't really answer that. I think we can all kind of concur that we're probably not in the market for, for Harry Kane. And um, so that was pretty much that on that. So now, based on the team news that we know of, let's go ahead and build our um, our predicted lineup for the game against Crystal Palace. So knowing that Arteta is going to try to go with a strong lineup, I think as much as we want to see um, Aziz and, and Balogun, which there's no excuse to, to not use them now uh, because the Premier League two seasons are, are done, but I don't think we'll see them. They may get on the bench, but other than that, I don't really see it. So um, also... Leno made it clear once again that he doesn't want to leave the club and he wants to win things with Arsenal. So I would say Leno is going to be here and he will play. For right back, I would imagine Chambers would play. I can't see anything else. He's been pretty consistent there. When we put Bellerin there uh, in the last couple of games, it, it hasn't really worked out. Although I do think he made a difference against Chelsea um, for the couple of minutes that he was out there. Ultimately, I just feel like we're moving away from Bellerin, so I wouldn't imagine him, especially if he's looking to get a move, do you really think he wants to risk getting injured before he could potentially make a big move to PSG or Barcelona? So for me, I think it's going to be Callum Chambers. Um, for right-sided centre-back, um, it's going to be Rob Holding. Um, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Now... When we get to the left side of center back, for me, I feel like Gabrielle needs this time more than Marie. Marie is a backup. He will always be a backup, and we shouldn't expect him to be anything more. Arteta's um, wanting – lately he's been playing Marie in bigger games and playing Gabrielle in the lesser games, and that is not what I want to see personally. I think Gabrielle should be playing all games if he's fit, even if it's withholding even if their partnership doesn't work out because Gabrielle needs this time more than holding or Marie. So I'm going to put Gabrielle here. Um, it's crystal palace. Gabrielle needs this time. He needs some stability. He needs to play more minutes. I mean, he's the important one. He's the one that we spent the money on. He should play. Marie is the backup. Um, left back. I would imagine it's, it's going to be Karen Tierney. If it were me, Karen Tierney would be sitting out for the rest of the season. Um, I don't think there's any reason to risk him, and he wants to play. He's going to play in the Euros for Scotland. Um, I can't imagine why we would continue to play him, even though he's not 100% fit. He looked very unfit against Chelsea, and obviously he was still one of our best players because Karen Tierney is just that good. But at the same time, do we want to risk him? No. Will Arteta risk him? Yes. So I think Tierney will play. Um what happened to Cedric? Uh, Cedric is no longer good enough to play right back and also not good enough to play left back, which is one of the reasons why you guys told us that he would be a good acquisition as a free transfer on like four years. So if for me, if we're going to bring in a right back and Callum Chambers is going to be given a new contract, maybe they want to consider also selling Cedric. I don't think it's likely, but maybe they should. I mean, what's the point of keeping him on if he's like third choice right back and third choice left back? You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. So um, I think Karen Tierney will play there. 
Um, in the pivot, I think we go with Oneni. I mean, why not? There's no reason to continue to play Ceballos. None whatsoever. Um, El Nenny has done absolutely nothing wrong. I think he was pretty good against Chelsea. So I think you play El Nenny and you play him next to Thomas and you leave Ceballos at home. You know, the guy just, we don't need to be playing him anymore for me. You know, sorry, not sorry. So um, now, I'm doing a predicted lineup, but I'm also going to add some things in there <laughs> that I would like to see. I think this is kind of where it becomes a little bit more interesting. Um, for me, I think you play um, Lacazette um, if you want to win the game. <laughs> uh, I just think Lacazette is the more informed striker at the moment. Uh, Aubameyang is not really on it. I don't think Chelsea was really his fault um, because we really weren't getting the ball up to him, but we're playing away at Selhurst Park. I think um, I think Lacazette would be good in this game, personally. Um, seeing the way that we're not going to have any creativity in our midfield is going to be mostly Thomas Partey and El Nini. I would like to get some more um, build-up play, more connectivity in the team. I think if you have a bombing up there, kind of take that away. Um so I'm going to go with Lacazette, actually. Um, for left mid, I'm actually going to go with Smith-Rowe. Um, he's on fire. He's one of our best players. Um, he doesn't seem like he's injured. He will also help Tierney. He'll get back and defend, which Tierney will need help with. So I would actually put Smith-Rowe at left mid. I would play Odegaard in the 10 role. You guys, I don't think we're going to be able to acquire him. I'm just going to say that right now. I just think um, with Zizou leaving and the fact that it looks like Real Madrid, the club, really rate him and see him as some sort of um, beacon of hope for the future. And quite frankly, any coach that comes in, I think, would have the foresight to, uh, to, con to, to keep him because he's such a talented player. I don't think we'll be able to acquire him even if he wants to stay. That being said, if there is a chance for him to stay – maybe this would be a good chance to to give him another opportunity to really impose himself on a game and make a difference. I think he was really poor against Chelsea, like really, really poor. So maybe give him another chance. And I play Nicola Pepe at right wing. But Kyle Saka should not play another game this season. I think if he's going to get chosen for the Euros, he will. Southgate has seen enough of the kid. He knows he can play multiple positions. He rates him. If he's going to get a chance, he's go he's going to get it. Um, but there's no reason to continue to put minutes in the kid's legs. He's on track to having Bellerin type of minutes in his legs um, by 25. And we see what that's done to, to Bellerin. One key injury, and he's basically a shell of the person that he is. But Kyle has many, many years ahead of him as an Arsenal player and I would love to see him get a rest. This team is more than good enough to beat Crystal Palace, put in a performance, you know, and there's just, we don't need Bakayo Saka out there. I just, I don't understand it. So um, again, I went with Bern Leno, Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, Gabrielle, Tierney, Thomas Party, El Nenny, Odegaard, Pepe, Smith Rowe, and Lacazette. 
you guys let me know what you guys think, if you would change anything, all that good stuff. All right. Let's see what you guys are saying in the comment section. Um, ESR should be in the 10. What about Martinelli? So I love Martinelli, and I would obviously have him on the bench and give him some time maybe later on in the game. But for me, I just think that if we think that there's any chance that we would be able to bring in Odegaard, I think we need to, um, we would need to see more of him. So, and if he's fit, he usually plays. So that's what I'm thinking. Martinelli can come off the bench. Um, I'm not as stressed out about Martinelli starting games as other people. I think he'll get his chances next season. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, G says Odegaard is not good enough for Arsenal for Real Madrid. No. Um, here's the thing. I think we get really high on players. And then when they have a couple of bad games, we get really low on them. Odegaard is an exceptional talent. Um, it may not translate to the Premier League. He's definitely going to be good enough to play for Real Madrid. The issue was not that he wasn't good enough. It was that Zizou wanted to continue to play Modric, Casemiro, and Cruz. Any player, any manager that comes in is not going to let that kid go. Real Madrid really rate him. So for me, it's not about him not being good enough. It's just I'm not sure if his talent is going to translate to the Premier League. So for me, it's just more about can he adapt? Will his talent shine in this league? I'm not sure. But, you know, I think Odegaard is a class player. I think we can see that. Starboy says, I'm worried he won't make the Euro squad. If you're talking about Saka, he's he's 19. He'll get another opportunity. When we look at that, that England squad, the amount of talent that's there is it's going to be very difficult for him to get in at any position, whether it's um, like a left wing back type of position, you're, you're competing with Luke Shaw and Chilwell in those positions. If we're talking about Ford, forget about it. You know, you have Sancho, Rashford, Sterling. These players are older than um, Saka. They're more advanced and more developed in their career. So for me, Saka missing out on the Euros at 19 for me is not the end of his career. It's not the end of the day. And I think from an Arsenal perspective, it would be better for us if he doesn't play in the Euros. But if that's what he wants, then that's what I want for him. Like, of course, if he makes the Euro squad, I'm like, amazing. But if he doesn't make it, it won't be the end of the world. And I think if he wants to compete with Rashford, with Sterling, with Sancho for these forward positions, then he needs more goals in his game. And right now, I think he's kind of flickering in between, you know, being in good form and scoring goals and kind of being a little bit um, blunt. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it would it would crush him. But at the same time, from an Arsenal perspective, it, it wouldn't be that bad. It wouldn't be a bad idea for him to, to maybe not be a part of the Euro squad. Um, let's see. So in, in regards to the, so you'd rather see a partnership that doesn't work for favoritism, Gabriel and Holy doesn't work. It's not about favoritism. It's about resource management and the fact that we spent the money on Gabrielle. So Gabrielle needs to work at this point in the season, because we're not actually playing for anything. Gabrielle needs the minutes more than, than Marie. What does Marie need minutes for? He needs some consistency. He needs to continue to play. Taking him in and out of the squad has not really bode well for his adaptation. So it's not really about favoritism. It's about the fact that Gabriel is the player that we banked on. So we need to give him minutes. 
It's the same thing about wanting to play Martinelli and give him minutes, even though it's not really like he fits necessarily in what we're trying to do. For me, it's it's just you want to add players in to give them minutes, even if it doesn't really make sense, because some players just need that. So it's not really favoritism. It's just he needs he needs the time, in my opinion. I could be wrong. Yeah. And also, you know, just like Newman says, um, everything on this on this podcast that's that's, you know, about players and, and what I think about them is my opinion. You know, so that's what this is kind of about. I'm not saying that I know everything, but if you don't agree with my opinion, that's perfectly fine. You know, but um, I wouldn't take too much stock in my opinion. I'm a fan. I love football. I'm not like an expert, but um, it is my opinion. You know, so if that's not something that you really want to hear then you don't actually have to watch my podcast. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of people that feel like giving my opinion is, is like, you know, is like a, is a problem or something, you know, it's my podcast. So it's my opinion, um, but it's not fact. And I don't claim it to be. Gogo says Odegaard or Bundia, please. Wow. I mean, I think from a, from a, adaptation who would fit in the Premier League I think we would say Buendia but where does Buendia actually play Buendia for me plays like as a right wing even though he can he creates it's kind of like Jack Grealish in a way right Jack Grealish plays off of the left wing we can look at him and maybe say that he could play in a 10 role because he creates and score goals but we haven't actually seen them play in those positions if you bring in Buendia who does that displace that displaces Saka because he plays off of the right wing so and you're also maybe potentially taking time away from Pepe so I think Buendia from a adaptation and does his talent transfer to the Premier League yes do I like that he's more sprinty he's a better presser he's a little bit more aggressive yes I love that but I'm not quite sure that he would fit into that 10 role or that more progressive eight role that we are potentially looking for so I don't know if either of them is a really good fit, but in terms of who would I rather see, I would think I'd rather spend the money on Buendia at this point. Harry says, I agree on Gabrielle. Um, he's the big money signing. Let's see if he can produce. Exactly. I just think with the limited amount of time that's left in the season and what we're not really, we're not really playing for anything. I would give those minutes to Gabrielle and let him kind of work through some of the kinks. Ooh, let's see. MS says, I feel like Buendia is very overrated. He wasn't great in the Premier League last season. Now, here's the thing. He may have only had seven, like seven assists in one goal, but he created, I think, the most chances. He was like top four for the most chances created in the league um, when he was in the Premier League before. What that says is that I think his team has an issue finishing and maybe defending versus what he can actually produce. He was up there with Jack Grealish and like Madison and those players and Bruno Fernandez up there in, in chances created in a the, t- the worst team in the Premier League. So I think he's good, but his his maybe his stats are more reflective of the team that he played in versus hit him. You know, so I think I like the idea of bringing in players from the championship and uh, and seeing if they can hack it at, in a better team. Um, but 
I fully understand what you're saying about him maybe being overrated because he only had one goal and like seven assists. And now that he's back in the championship, his, his numbers are so much higher. So I think any transfer is a risk, you know, you're taking, you're taking a chance on something, you know, but would you rather risk it on Odegaard, somebody who we've already seen maybe doesn't fit, or would you maybe want to risk it on Buendia, somebody who we know that can play in the Premier League, but um, can he make the, the type of impact that we're looking for? Yeah, GK says, Buendia last season was doing numbers. Pookie was missing chances galore. Exactly. Harry said, it's all a game about opinions. I'm just happy that everyone agrees with me on Jaka. Some opinions are also facts. <laughs> I know, right? You were loving that, that everybody yesterday kept Granite Jaka. <laughs> I was shocked by that. Um, GK said he was second behind De Bruyne at a point last season. Exactly. Yo-Yo says stats isn't everything. Xhaka is Arsenal's best player, according to stats. Ooh. Harry, get Yo-Yo. Talking about Xhaka. <laughs> um, Gogo says, I think Kroenke is not going to invest as he promised. Look at the kind of players uh, he's been linked to Burge. So let's talk about this for a second. Is the amount that they, we spend on a single player, does that reflect KSC's ability to invest? Like basically what I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand. So if we bring in a couple of players and they only cost between maybe 20 and 25 million or 30 million, does that mean that we're not investing or do we, is it only if we spend astronomical amounts of money on players like Grealish that means that KSC is doing their job. I think we as a club are kind of in a weird position where we're, we want to be a part of the Chelsea club, the Man City club, where we're spending 50 million on, on a left back cover or something like that. But I think from where we are right now, uh, we need to be a little bit more realistic. You know, if, if the Cronkies give us 40 million, that's two good quality players. It is. Um, we got Tierney for 25. We got Gabrielle for 23, 25. And those are good players. You know, so for me, it's not just about how much we spend on a single player. I don't think, I mean, we spent 72 million on Pepe. Let's be real. That doesn't necessarily always um, equate to quality or the right player profile. For me, it's about getting the right players in the right positions that fit Arteta's system and giving them the platform to succeed and the environment to succeed. So for me, being linked with Burge is not an issue. You know, I know that he would cost maybe like in the late teens or early twenties. Um, he's about 23 years old. He hasn't been amazing, but he still has the uh, ability to, to get better. And uh, he would give us some more, mobility in the midfield he, he would give us some more physicality in the midfield and uh, based on what I've seen from him at his time at like gank he there's something he has it just hasn't been able we haven't been able to see that Sheffield because of his injury so I don't necessarily feel like being linked with with Burge necessarily means that Cronkies aren't going to invest to a certain level um but I, what do you guys think do you think that the Cronkies need to invest in like a Jack Grealish for them to to be considered like for the summer to be successful or can we invest in players at a lower price point and get more of them? And that's good. You know, what do you guys think? 
G says, I think it depends on the type of owners you have. If you know your owners have the finances to spend 80 million plus, then you have the right to be upset when you just buy 20 million type players. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I'll come back to the, the right back Starboy. Um, GoGo says, um, we are down and needs to invest to get to the top. Surely a Basuma should be better. It's not about the dollars. It's about the intention. I tend to agree on that. You know, if you get one Jack Grealish, yeah, you'll that's a, a really good player that you're going to bring in. He can change everything. But we're not going to be able to bring in like two of those types of players. I'd actually rather bring in four players around the $20 million mark than just bring in one Jack Grealish. That's just personally me because I think that there's quality in that $20 million range because I've seen it with Tierney. I've seen it with Gabrielle. So it just depends, you know. G says uh, Basuma is at 40. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can you can bring him in and, and a couple other players and still get kind of towards that $80 million mark that you would own that you could get Grealish for, but that's one player. Bowie's the cat says, I think it's important to buy several players, but with different skill set profiles. Yeah. Tony said, it's not about the final figure. It's about spending money on the first 11 instead of squad backup transition players. Now, Tony, I agree with that. I actually am not a big, I'm not into spending money on backups. I think what would be nice is if we could figure out something with Per and we can, if they can future cast, I mean, we could pretty much see what positions we're going to need to fill in the next couple of years. If we have players in our academy that we can, bring in and and just plop into those squad positions. I think that's a better use of our resources than, you know, spending money on on like Elneny. Elneny was brought in as a backup and we we spent 10 million on him. Kind of get what you pay for, but you don't there's no upside to Elneny where there is like if you had had like an Aziz, you could have brought him up to play those what, 10 games or so. And you're also increasing his value. So I think there's a better use of some of the resources that we have for squad positions and backups and transition players. And maybe we don't have to spend money on those types of players in the future. Let's see. Yeah, I think we know Lester have a way better scouting system than us. I mean, they're class. They... They basically do they they do what we used to do back in the day. I mean, we have to remember that we used to be that team, you know, that would bring in unknown players, develop them, sell them, um, would have a team of players that nobody knew and turn them into stars, household names. We were very very astute in the market. Our arson was very very good at that. We've we've kind of veered away from that, and maybe we need to to go back to that model um, to get us back to where we want to be. Olivier says, we do need a leader by example, like Fernandez or De Bruyne. Grealish, maybe that. He definitely is that. Do you, do you guys worry about Grealish maybe being the type of player that needs to be a big fish in a small pond, though? I mean, there's, there's some players that they thrive in a situation where they're the star of the team. He's been the star of Aston Villa for a very long time. Would you guys be worried that you spend $80 million on him and he doesn't adapt to being at a bigger club with more expectations, more criticism, and things like that? Is that something you guys would worry about? That that kind of worries me about him. But 
I do understand what you're saying about a leader by example, but can Smith Rowe not be that person? Can Saka not be that person? If we continue to buy players to be in these positions, then we don't allow some of the players that we already have to kind of step into those leadership roles. And I know it, you know, even, even Tierney could be somebody like that, a leader by example. So I, I agree that we need that, but can we not search for that in the squad that we already have? Yeah. Um, oh, Gary says, "Wow, Jess, like the idea of using the youth to fill the men's use the minutes by Sabios and Elneny. How did Arsenal miss that? I mean, you have to be connected to your academy, and we've been doing kind of like a, a turnover when Per got there. I don't expect this to happen right away. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't talk about this kind of stuff already. Um, but in the future, if we know that we're going to need a um, a right back cover, you know, if we know that we're going to move chambers on, maybe they could recruit somebody to, to bring him into the Academy and then bring them in as right back cover when chambers leaves, you know, they need to work together. And that would, it would serve two purposes where we don't have to actually spend money on backups, but we can also increase the value of some of the players that we have in the Academy. Easier said than done. You know, I'm sitting here in my office, you know, it's easier said than done, but I think it's something that they probably are looking towards. I hope they are in the future. <laughs> um, Ed says, problem with $80 million players is if they don't work out, we've wasted a lot of money like Pepe. He's a $40 million player that we paid $70 million for. Yep. But the thing about Grealish that I think that works is the fact that we know we need that type of player. He's the right profile. I think he would fit us like a glove. My issue with it is that in the position that we're, are we in a position to spend an $80 million, $80 million on one player when we need to address a lot of positions? You know, um, I think that's more where I am. I think Grealish is the right fit, just the wrong timing, you know, and can we not be a little bit more, astute and get the $80 million player before they become $80 million. You know, we used to be that team that could identify talent early so that they weren't $80 million when we got them. They were like 20, you know, so actually like that a lot more than buying the player in their prime, but that's just me. G says French league is the place to go. I mean, it looks like that's where we're looking. I mean, a lot of the players that we've been linked with, have been from the French league. Um, I think that's kind of maybe because of the financial situation of the French league. And there's a lot of talent in that league. It may be looked as a farmer's league, but there's a lot of good players that come out of, um, of those teams. And some of, some of those, those clubs have such good recruitment, which is, which is awesome. You know, so um, here's some names, Botman, um, Icone, Awa, exactly. So I like it. Um, I wouldn't be mad if we got some more players from the French league. I think the whole Pepe thing is that maybe it would scare us off of it a little bit, but Pepe is an isolated incident. I think the French league overall has enough talent. If you can identify it and not get pimped <laughs> or swindled into paying $72 million for a player um, like, like Pepe. Um. Eddie or Ed says, agree. We need to address center midfield, backup left back, starting right back, keeper. 
um, starter or backup, depending on Leno's situation, need to improve average quality in all positions rather than quick fix of adding one star. I just kind of feel like that's where we are. You know, 100%. I feel like that's where we are, is that I would love to be the team. Like, if we're Manchester United, where they are in their rebuild, which is galaxies away from where we are, in my opinion, you can spend $80 million, like they will do on Sancho, where you're you're bringing in that one player that you know you need, uh, because you've already kind of addressed the other situations or the other, I mean, they, they bought the center back, they bought the right back, they brought the center midfielder, they already had Pogba, they have players that are from their academy or young English talent that have already adapted to their, their, their group. So they can go ahead and just throw the money. You know, they can try to figure out if they want Kane, they can try to bring in a Sancho. They can look at a Grealish. We're just not there. You know, we're just not there yet. Yes, I do have a Twitter. It's at it's I'll put it up on the screen so you guys can see it. If you guys are new, um, my name is Jess. You're on my channel and um, I'm on Twitter at it's Justino and at she knows Arsenal. All right, let's see. Oh, somebody asked earlier who I would want for right back because I feel like we've lost out on Emerson Royale. The last time I read he was going to be a real another loss at the hands of Emery. That was also a really difficult deal to do because he was half owned by Betis and half owned by Barcelona. Really weird. Um, that's who I would have, would have wanted, but because we cannot get him, I would think that bringing in Max Aaron's would be a good idea. I mean, homegrown numbers need to be met. Um, he was really good in the, in the, in the Premier League when, when they were there, um, Bayern Munich looked at him. The only reason why they didn't bring him in is because Bayern Munich does not do business like that. They will not spend like 35 million on a right back from England, um, so for me, I think Max Aarons is the one I would go for. I really like the kid. I think he gives you tyranny vibes on the right-hand side, which is what we're looking for. But because he used to be a midfielder back in the day, he can also play kind of like that um, more pinched-in role or that inverted role if we really wanted him to. He's he's good in the final third, but he also can defend, which is important. He's a little on the slight side for my liking, I would like him to be a little bit taller. But other than that, I think he'd be a good acquisition for, for Arsenal. 21 years old. Can't really get any better than that. G said, I prefer Lamptey. Um, Lamptey's injury scares me. Um, and he's also kind of like Bellerin pre his injury. And so let's see how he comes back after that injury. C Wilder says Aaron's is mine too. Starboy says Aaron's is my choice too. Exactly. So, and I think we're interested in him, which would be awesome. So just to let you guys know how the shows are going to be going for the next couple of days, if you guys want to come back and enjoy some more content um, at, you guys, you know, I'm bad at the timing, 7 p.m. UK time. I'll be back um, right here. And I'll be giving you guys my sell or keep results. Yesterday, the pod was amazing. If you guys haven't gotten a chance to, to watch it or listen to it, um, we did an epic sell or keep show with um, George from Saliba Season, um, South Metro AFC, which is Kelly. And it's DJ Harry, who's always on the channel with me. We went through, uh, we went through their sell or keeps, and um, it was amazing. But I didn't give my results, so... Later on today, I'll be giving my results. They're way different than the guys. I, I'm shocked that 
I mean, some of the things that they chose, I would not have. <laughs> so uh, we'll go through my results and we'll also go through some of the most like heavily reported Arsenal transfer news um, up to up to now. Talk about Basuma, Burge, um, Adarabayo, all the people that we've been linked with for the last couple of uh, of weeks and all that kind of stuff. So that will be later on today at 7 p.m. UK time. And then on Monday, the guys will be coming back and we'll be doing the second part of our squad building podcast where we're going to be talking about transfers in. We'll take the money that they got from their transfer fees plus a $40 million kitty from KSE, add that together and see if they can get the players that they want with the budget that they have. We're trying to make it as realistic as possible. Um, obviously, this is all in fantasy land because by the time we get to Monday, everything may have changed. But it's fun. It's interactive. And I'd love you guys to join us. So Monday at 7 p.m., that's what we'll be doing. But come back at 7 p.m. UK time today so we can talk about some things. And um, I look forward to seeing you guys then. Uh, get in that comment section. Let me know what you guys have been thinking about the podcast, what you guys thought about uh, what we talked about today. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, guys. Oh.